coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thank you very much. Now, Florida farmers have really become my passion and, you know, just lifting people up in my food career. I always try to do that to shine a light. You have so many newcomers in the state who don't really realize the history and what's along the other side of the tree line as they drive on I-4 or I-10, 95, mm-hmm. a world of history. And we've had olive trees here for 500 years. Wow. And the olives are making a comeback now. There's that Florida Olive Oil Association. We have caviar in the middle of Pearson. So it's real caviar that's from a sturgeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's not like, you know, the bean dip where they say Texas caviar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Almost nobody knows that. No. Right. No, you don't really. I mean, a Florida, Florida farmers do, and they're very proud of it. And we try to lift that up a lot. But there are other cow states. We're in the top five. Oh, wow. Uh, mojitos. That was never really on my list of must-do book, books. And I, <laughs> <laughs> but you were drunk you know, on mojitos. That's right. You know, it's like some ago you're working on a book of mojitos, and they go, oh, oh, oh. you know, Funny. research. I'm just researching. Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Heather McPherson. Heather has done a ton of stuff with food and is currently the PR machine behind several restaurants, including Art Smith's Homecoming in Disney Springs. After Heather, we have some news from St. Pete Meat and Provisions. We We have have a great great show, show, so so stick stick around. around. Dat's Restaurant in downtown St. Pete not only has some of the tastiest food, they are also unique and creative. They're the home of comfort food with flair, a foodie wonderland filled with bacon, cheese, and house-made breads. I love their shrimp and grits, which made our top 10 list. The trick is they use cream cheese and an Indian makani sauce. They also have a bunch of great burgers that use certified Angus beef. And two that they're famous for are the Cheesy Todd where instead of a bun, you have two bacon jalapeno mac and cheese buns, and then the double D, where you have two whole glazed donuts instead of a hamburger bun. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. I love the spaghetti in meatball, ginormous meatball, stuffed with spaghetti inside the meatball, then served on top of more pasta. They also have tacos, fish and chips, meatloaf, pulled pork, grouper sandwich, salmon, a great steak salad, and tons more. They've got a huge location with lots of outdoor seating, and the inside is as spacious as it gets, great for social distancing. 
They're right in the heart of downtown St. Pete on the very first block of the famed Central Avenue, 180 Central Avenue. Their website is datstampa.com and on Facebook you can find them at Dats for Foodies. Check out Dats in downtown St. Pete. As a St. Pete Foodies listener, you should also check out the Zest podcast from WUSF Public Media. You know, the Tampa NPR folks. Every Thursday, host Dahlia Cologne shares everything from food history to the best restaurants you haven't tried. There's recipes you'll want to try and a different slice of our state's foodie scene. The key lime actually is native to Southeast Asia. The English sailors were called limeys when they found out that they put it in the barrels of water to get rid of that brackish well water taste, they uh, didn't get scurvy anymore. So they wanted them in all their ports in the tropics, so they took the seeds and planted them. So that's how we ended up with key limes down here. We invite you to listen to The Zest on your favorite podcast app or at thezestpodcast.com. Tell Tell them St. Pete Foodie sent you. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oates has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, open daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. And in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. Please welcome former food writer, editor, and restaurant reviewer for the Orlando Sentinel, food podcaster, and currently, amongst other things, the media relations and PR machine behind celebrity chef Art Smith's Homecoming Kitchen. Welcome, Heather McPherson. Yes, welcome. Thank you, guys. It's so great to be here with you. Yeah. And normally my intro isn't that long, but compared to your entire resume, which I can't read the whole thing because that would be the whole podcast. Because <laughs> you, You've done a lot of things. You've been in, in, the, in the business for a while. Uh, you were, is it correct that it's 30 years you were with the Orlando Sentinel? 38 in total. My first 10 years were in hard news and I transitioned into features and really found my voice as a writer. And it was there all along. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed to be, sometimes it's always there, but it was always an interest. Food and wine was always an interest of mine. But um, working with the right people, it just, I was helping the current food at that time, the food editors of the Orlando Sentinel, who was going through some health issues. And um, I, I knew that butterfly was a verb. 
and many um, many editors did not. <laughs> oh wow, that's funny. Yeah, so you you play on the same side of the food street that we do as far as being on the communication side of things, and mm-hmm. so you you also you write for the Florida Dairy Farmers and Edible Orlando. Correct. And I know that you're originally from Indianapolis, but you've been in Florida for a long time. We, you know, I'm free Disney, so we're, we're sort of <laughs> grandfathered in as practically native. If you were here before right. '71, you know. Wow. Um, yeah, um, I actually. <laughs> go ahead. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, I, th- I think that, that's that's well uh, well said. <laughs> and you live in Mount Dora. I do. It's a little town about 40 minutes north of Orlando, and it's um. For a lot of people who come to Florida just for theme parks and what have you, if you've never been up in that area, it's where the, what they call in Florida, the Lake Wales Bridge begins to take effect. And all of a sudden, Florida has fabulous topography. It's mm-hmm. not so flat anymore. Nice. Right. right. Yeah. Everybody thinks Florida is flat and it, most right. of it yeah. is. Right. But Yeah. And you're also an award-winning cookbook author, and we'll get into the books a little bit as well. And Lori will be happy to learn that you are a Florida Gator. Yay! Go Gators! We actually went to one game during COVID, and it was actually one of the safest places we were during the whole time. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, the pretty- which, which one did you go to? Kentucky game, and there were, there were only... When you take 20% of Florida fields, mm-hmm. that was all that was in the stadium. Wow. I mean, there was like, there was no one 20 feet that way and no one 20 feet that way. And we took some photos and I, my husband posted a line and people were like, family was going, that's too crowded. And everyone had all those, you know, they bought those like they did for bus games and cardboard cutouts. Mm-hmm. Like, those are not real people. Right, uh-huh. right. <laughs> that had to have felt somewhat surreal having been in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium so many times in my life. I can't imagine. It did. It felt like, I mean, there was no traffic. There was like nothing. I mean, it did feel surreal. But in the end, um, it was great to get out of the house and in a fresh air situation. Yeah. And so it was, it was nice. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So while we're on Gators, the University of Florida gave you the Emig Award, which the faculty picks out who they think will contribute the most to the state of Florida through journalistic pursuits. And it seems that they were right, especially for Florida food. Thank you very much. Florida farmers have really become my passion and, you know, just lifting people up in my food career. I always try to do that to shine a light. We have so many newcomers in the state who don't really realize the history and what's along the other side of the tree line as they drive on I-4 or I-10, 95, mm-hmm. a world of history. And I would get frustrated um, at, as a food editor for the Sentinel when people would say, this is a food desert, this is a food wasteland. And wow. um, so that became my soapbox. No, it's for not. You. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> people up. Yes. So what are some of the things that most people do and don't think about when it comes to Florida food? And what is Florida food? <laughs> you know, that's, that's a really great question because um, you can go to certain pockets of this country and you can spell it out really quickly in five dishes. And Florida, being this very slender peninsula, surrounded by water on all sides, has taken newcomers for 500 years, mm-hmm. 500 years in our history. So you have all of these people coming in and um, Adding to our larder, our 
showing us different ways to cook. And that has really become what Florida food is today. So you have your agriculture and weather always determine your food, no matter where you are. Mm -hmm. Right. What do you grow here? And I think what surprises people is you can grow so much here. We go from a tropical to subtropical in central Florida. And then once you get up into around Panama City and Gambia County, all of that, you're, it's a little, you know, Alabama, Georgia line kind of stuff. So yeah. you get a lot more, a lot more frost and stuff. I and mean, Florida peaches are coming along so well. You know, the surprises I think that people find when they come to Florida and they start opening up Florida cookbooks are um, caviar, olives, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then the history of the nation's entire beef industry would be nothing if not for Florida. All of the cattle that is in the United States started around the Melbourne area. Mm-hmm. And, we know wow. and if you look at really old Remington painting, there's actually a Florida cowboy. Mm-hmm. And he has a flicker, a yellow flicker on the back of his horse. But that gaucho culture did not come up through Mexico. It came Florida and went west. And there's actually a strain of cattle called, I don't know if strain is the right word. Anyway, they're called pecker cattle. And they're um, that part of that original herd. Wow. They're not good eating. But it's there. We've had olive trees here for 500 years. Wow. And the olives are making a comeback now. There's that Florida Olive Oil Association. We have caviar in the middle of Pearson, Florida, which is, if you know the state, we're also very strong with foliage. And that's where you're going to find ferns and um, a lot of um, a lot of florals and what have you. And right there in the middle of Pearson, um, this wonderful family decided to fly in surgeons from the Caspian Sea. Oh, and, wow. um, and you go out there and after you pass all of these greenhouses and stuff, and they have the concrete pool, perfect pool, and you get from the Beluga, the Beluga. I mean, it's just, it's wow. amazing. And I then we also that. have caviar in Sarasota from the Mount Marine lab there. Ah, uh, okay. Wow. That's yeah. really fascinating. So, yeah. so it's real that. caviar that's from a sturgeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's not like, you know, the bean dip where they take Texas caviar. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is it available retail or is it just to restaurants? It is available retail. Um, the St. Augustine Gold, which is what you'll find around uh, Pearson and stuff, you can find it in gourmet stores or you can go to, you Google Florida ca- um, Caviar, St. Augustine Gold, it should pop up. I can provide oh, cool. you some of those later. If you'd like yeah, that'd yeah. be great. Yeah. I know what we're having this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we're having real Florida, caviar Florida from Florida. Florida. Yeah. yeah that's Our target is our newest one. And that actually went, one of my last, cookbooks was um good catch on florida seafood because it's it's just it's just amazing what we have here and um we ran into a young man by the name of seth Grice over in anna maria and um he also has wine in uh, napa and he was telling us the story that he was in the french laundry in california napa while he was studying mm-hmm. at the point he said he had a caesar salad and they came over and said would you like some Bartaga on that, sir. And he said, what is it? They wanted to eat like a miniature, shave it on, very thin, has a tsunami kind of flavor, little salty, little briny, really fabulous. 
Mm-hmm. And so he said, he kept insisting to the waiter to come back snobby with him and said, well, what is it? And he gets sort of imported. It's imported fish roe from mm-hmm. Europe. And he goes, well, what's the fish? And right. he said, mullet. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> mullet. And it turned out he discovered there was an industry in Florida that was shipping mullet to Spain. <laughs> and then returning it here. Oh, wow. And, and Seth is a young, green-thinking kind of guy. And when, I, I grew up, my parents live in Anna Maria, where you stand out and catch mullet just on the dock. Right. Yeah. They just jump yeah. up at you. They can hit you in your boat. Uh-huh. And he goes, oh, no. So started the Anna, started the Anna Maria um, Fish Company, which um, started, and basically it's the dried row. Mm-hmm. And salt it wow. and cure it. So we, at the end of the cookbook, we had this little... We always love our little surprises, and we were always saying that if we were ever out in a restaurant and someone offered Bartaga, we were going to say, we only do domestic Bartaga. <laughs> <laughs> None of that imported stuff. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so can we go back for a moment to the, yeah. uh, the cattle culture? Um, yeah. What was the particular cow you were talking about that you said is, is not good eating? Oh, cracker. They're just Crack- skinny and tough, yeah. Oh, cracker mean, cattle. Okay. Like, yeah. like Florida cracker. Florida, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But then aren't there also some cows that are born here and then shipped off to be raised elsewhere? That is true. We are a calf cow state. Um, so tens of thousands of head of calves will be shipped out west, Texas, Oklahoma, lots of different places, and they will be finished and then either brought back or supermarkets get involved in it. however the finishing is. Right. Um, and so I always like to do, I do tell people, as you can tell, I'm very poor. I'm an indie girl, but I'm very Florida proud that when people brag about Iowa beef, and I always like to say, but I bet it's mama was in Florida and it probably went through elementary school down here. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's great. Yeah. Almost nobody knows that. No. Right. No, you don't really. I mean, a Florida, Florida farmers do, and they're very proud of it. And we try to lift that up a lot. There are other cow states. We're in the top five. Oh, wow. Uh, we used to be in the top three. Um, but, you know, it, I, it's a, the other side of that is that we also are a top dairy state, too. We mm-hmm. are top in liquid milk. Mm-hmm. And our fluid milk um, nourishes um, the Americas, um, the islands, places where you really cannot have herds. Right. Um, is that because of the, of the weather? Yeah. And the, gra- the topography mountain. It's mm. hard to graze. Mm, um, right, and it's easier for us to ship fluid milk down to obviously the I- islands we're talking about, Puerto Rico, but into the Americas, Central and South America. You know, can't graze up in the Andes. Right, you can, but it's a different animal. Right. Mm-hmm. So where do you where are most of these farms located? The, the Ocala. They're kind of? actually a little farther south. There are some up in Ocala. Larson Dairy down on Lake Okeechobee is one of the biggest. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. The next time you're at UF, when you see the Dairy Sciences building, you'll notice that it says Red Larson over the top. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so there are um, lots of dairy, not so many in Central Florida anymore. Mm. Um, and a lot of that has been development. Um, right. You will find some cattle in Central Florida, but um, a lot of people um, just, you know, it's hard when the developers come sometimes. And yeah. the ones that have stayed, really deep roots and their children really want to carry this on. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of their children. Yeah. 
That's, that's great. That is great. A lot of times, a lot of times the children don't have an interest. Mm -hmm. So it's nice when they do, and it continues to the next generation. One thing I'd like to insert, there's there's a movement in the beef cattle industry, um, the Lightsey Cattle Company, which is around the Lake Wales area. um, And they're 12 generations. Wow. Wow. From Georgia. And um, they, those farms, that land will never go. They're actually have been won award to um, Sierra Club. They, um, they own Rama Island and Lake Coco, Simi, and they, um, which is like a total, total reserve for eagles and all kinds of hawks and stuff. And um, they do allow some hunting out there, but it's regulated, mm-hmm. um, which is why the Sierra Club signaled them out. And what they have done is they have created a group of their friends, and you may have read this in the media, but they want Florida beef to come back home. Mm-hmm. They're reserving a bit of their calves to finish here in Florida so that you can go to public and you can actually eventually you're not we're not doing it yet. Uh-huh. But you can take your phone and on the barcode it will tell you the, the Florida ranch it came from. That's, That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Now how do you spell that name? Um, light T. It's just like um, just like light and F E Y. Okay. Light light C cattle. Light C. Okay. I can send yeah. you a link to their website. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, we'll, and we'll post it with this uh, podcast post. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so how, how, what percentage of Florida milk is shipped south and then is it shipped anywhere else like in the U.S.? She said yes, the states. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, are, there are a few states around here, but I mean, you've got Jersey cows. I mean, pretty much the U.S. domestically can handle, there are certain things that don't, like eggs don't ship around a whole lot. Right. Because they're fragile. So you've got certain things like that when it comes to poultry. But for Florida dairy, it's servicing this state, the southeastern region, and then the Americas. Right. Wow. And I can actually get you um, really hard stats. Sorry, I'm not prepared with those today. Oh, no, that's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So we used to be a citrus state. Are we yeah. still or are we not so much anymore? We are still a citrus state, maybe, hmm. but not the bottom line that we used to have. 83 was the devastating freezes that began to take out um, North Florida, took out Lake County completely. And um, so, and then we had green, you know, when then we came back, everything was so good, South Florida, Redlands, everything around there was good. And then we had citrus screening and some other issues. But there are the University of Florida, not to brag again, but <laughs> the, the Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences, ISIS, as you'll hear referred to a lot, has done an amazing amount of research and um, really working to save that. It is, I don't believe it will be completely gone from Florida, but they have a couple of, I believe it's the Honey Bell, and there's another one, and I will send that to you, um, two varieties that are sweet and fabulous and they resist greening oh nice they resist it completely so far and um they're easy to grow Mm -hmm. Um, and that that is very exciting you know farmers want to farm yeah you know they want to find that solution if they can and Mm -hmm. if that's how the olive industry came back um olives love old citrus soil so do blueberries oh wow you know when i first became for the Orlando Sentinel, um, blueberries were re- our blueberries were represented by the state of Michigan because oh. our crop was so small. 
but they oh boy. But we were the first out and they wanted our blueberries would go to fancy restaurants in New York and San Francisco and you know Michigan wanted everyone to be proud you know they're coming they're coming they're great and so it within 25 years it became a multi-million dollar business because it's some people were selling their grills because of the freezes. Mm-hmm. Who knew that blueberries, especially the high bush, mm-hmm. love sandy, high, dry ground? Wow, that's pretty cool. That's great. And, yeah. and, the, and all of the trees as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. It makes sense. When I was a kid, we I'm from New Jersey, and we would uh, go, we go to a campground for the summer, like for our weekends and summer vacation. And we call it down the shore. We don't say the beach. <laughs> right. We go down the shore. And so we were near the ocean and it was sandy soil. And there were just huge fields of blueberries. They actually, it was Egg Harbor, New Jersey. They actually called it like the blueberry section oh, wow. of New Jersey. Oh, wow. wow, that's cool. And, and if you were, you know, we, we had like, it wasn't a tent. We had, you know, like a camper trailer or whatever. And if you were paying to stay there at the campground, you could have all the blueberries you could pick and eat. My we goodness, had what a summer dream. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, and you said also the old citrus uh, grounds that olives also, yes? They do. They love, um, there's up in De Leon Spring, there, um, there are some really dense groves there. Isis has been watching them and they, they love old citrus oil and they just, they thrive. Oh. Um, you know, it citrus oil drains really easily because of the sand, mm-hmm. like a sieve. So all of that works for it. So I love these farmers who are still passionate about doing that. Mm-hmm. And they'll go, well, what else you got? And I just generally right there, or there's someone else innovative right there. He says, what if we try this? You know, um, and I think the olive growers are looking at the blueberry story where it's like, yeah. You know, and then what are, what happens with those olives then when they're harvested? Those olives, a couple things happen because our inventory is low and this is just kind of a, Starting now, Florida olive oil, which you can purchase in the Orlando area at Lake Meadow Naturals, but purchase at some Whole Foods. And there's a Florida Olive Growers Association, and they've gotten together to create a co op press. So people will take those olives up there and they'll press them. Well, mm-hmm. we just, you know, we're not Europe, but we don't have olive tree after olive tree yet. Mm-hmm. Like the ostrich crop or herds that used to be here. We don't have the inventory. Yeah, right. It'll, it'll so, be neat to um, see how that how that works out. So I, I think it will. It's expensive right now. It's very fruity. It has wonderful little for me um, a little peppery note. Mm-hmm. Um, there's streets in particular olives that do well here. My husband and I planted six in our backyard. Oh, cool. So, um, but we thought they would be fun to brine, you yeah. know, and yeah. put on charcuterie mm-hmm. boards. I mean, we know that we would never have enough to press, but that would be fun. Yeah. All right. Do. So. Yeah, I was I was wondering since you said they they throw out, they thrive so much in citrus oil if that gave them a fruity flavor. Oh yeah, I mean I don't know that's interesting because you know we typically talk the about soil grain. affects yeah yeah exactly and yeah. that's a really good I hadn't really thought about it in that context but it would have to because mm-hmm. there's ancient there's these things that go on it's the science you know? it, it is so yeah. this this podcast episode has us making a shopping list. <laughs> there will be recipes from Heather at the very end. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And so I have a couple of uh, cooking recipe questions for you. Sure. Then we'll take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we got a lot more to talk about still okay. restaurants and cookbooks and stuff. But I asked Chef Art 
this question. So I'm going to ask you, how do you make your grits? Oh, that's, that's really, I, I can't wait to see what it is. Well, first of all, I never use quick, for instance. Right. Um, I actually um, learned, I thought I knew how to make grits for years for my mother. Bless her heart. Um, she's an Indiana girl and grits were not her forte. But I learned to make grits from Desi Prescott. And Desi Prescott, if you've read any of Marjorie Kinnon Rollins' books, if you read the highest drift chapter of Cross Creek, Desi is that Desi who took the trip with Marjorie down the St. John's uh, River, just those two women. Wow. That would be odd years ago now. And one of my best friends in college and I recreated that trip as sort of a celebration. Oh, that's cool. And we wrote about it, and there was a PBS documentary. But anyway, that's, that's another show. But anyway, so we would go, we were preparing for the trip, and we went to Desi has since passed away at ripe old age of 97. Wow. Um, and she, um, we had to celebrate her 95th birthday a year later because she already had her elf license. This is, this is Desi. So she um, went at her house on the banks of the Wislacuchi. She, I was, I was starting to make the grits in the morning, and she says, You make the grits at night. And mm-hmm. she, soaked her grits in milk wow overnight and i had never done that i, I haven't either i've never done that either so and i was actually worried this is me you know like the latter day becky homecky going mm-hmm. the milk's going to spoil do we want to eat that in the morning right so I was like i mean should we do this this is wise you know <laughs> but you don't really argue with a woman who's got like their actual bear rugs where she shot the bear. And, you know, <laughs> no, you do not argue with Whatever her. you want to do, I'm good with it, Jesse. So I do soak overnight, but I soak in the refrigerator and cool. then and drain that off next. And then cook them as usual. My grits are always smoked Gouda grits. Those are the nice. grits I make. Yeah. Nice. Green onions. And, and what about when you're cooking them? What is the liquid? The milk is soaked in at that point, mm-hmm. but I will use um, a little bit of chicken broth. Mm-hmm. That's what Ch- Kevin does. Yeah, yeah that's, what I, that's what. Yeah, art, it just, arts. It, the flavor is just nice, and the, it gives it that golden, like you've drenched every. People will add butter, but it's even more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And I did say so in the beginning, but in case people missed it, the reason I'm referring to Chef Art Smith is because you do media PR for him. And his answer was that he also soaks them overnight. And he says that he uses 50-50 water milk. I had, I had been doing, uh, I just learned from him and now from you too about soaking overnight. So I haven't tried that yet, but I was doing 50-50 milk and chicken stock. And after a while, I felt that was maybe a, a little bit too rich. So now I'm doing like 75% chicken stock and yeah. one, 25% milk. Yeah. And, Fritz, you know, you have to taste grits as you go. You really have mm-hmm. to. I would say... Uh, you know, we always use stone ground grits. We like to get, you know, I, I am always trying to, Dixie Lily is usually the brand I can find on the bottom shelf of public. There's, a, in the town of McEnope, Florida, they used to have a fall festival. Hopefully it'll come back next year. And they would actually grind the grits right there. Oh, wow. To, to get a bunch of bunch of grits and, and take them home. Wow. Wow. That's great. That is. There's a place up in so, Tallahassee called Bradley. Did you tell you about that? Yes. That, and that's what you use at uh, Homecoming That's Kitchen. what we use at Homecoming. Bradley yep. Grits. Mm-hmm. They have great smoked <clears throat> What is your secret ingredient for tomato-based gazpacho? Oh, I love gazpacho so much. I do too. I, it is like 
you know, it's just like Florida in a bowl. Mm-hmm. Not just with our great tomatoes here. Last year, I put Florida peaches in my gazpacho. Oh, wow. Which really cool. rounded out the flavor. You know, they're not really bowls. It's like making chili. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's like, okay, I've got one of the things that I do tell people to do. I, I think a lot of people who start out with gazpachos don't really understand that they need to chop and process the celery separate if you're not going to string it. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, um, because I think it adds a texture you're not going to be comfortable with. It's just a personal thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about texture and food because I think mm-hmm. it really helps people. But um, peaches are one of my secret ingredients for gazpacho. Um, and Dairy is a secret ingredient mm-hmm. for my my gazpacho, and a lot of people don't think of how that creaminess really adds to it. And you just keep the milk cold through the last minute. So so good. Yeah, and you Kevin- can find that recipe at Florida Milk. <laughs> ah, cool. Well, Kevin just made a, a green gazpacho this past weekend. Ooh, and- it was good. And I said to him, I'm like, honey, do you have sour cream? Because I like to do is do a dollop of the sour cream. Like you're talking about the cream. And yeah. he took a bite and he goes, oh, my God, you're so right about this. Yes. Like, yeah, that was a good that call. Sounds wonderful. I may have to try that. Yeah. yeah, it was good. Yeah. So, Heather, we're going to take a quick break, get a word from okay. our sponsors, and we will be right back. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah. I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm -hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good, too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for the fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. The spaghetti and meatballs. It's so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 10.30, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. Where can you find the freshest fish in St. Pete? Well, you can't get fresher than caught that day. That's what you'll find at Trophy Fish. The Day Boat Special includes the fresh catch of the day, cooked how you want it, with your choice of two sides and a house-made sauce. They also have some incredible appetizers, like grilled street corn that's like crack, that stuff's so good, incredible grilled oysters, fresh fish spread, and much more. You will also find some options for the land lovers out there. All of this set in a setting that makes you feel serene and relaxed with your toes in the sand, like a day at the beach. They like to call their concept Bait Shop Chic. So head on down to Trophy Fish, where you can grab a boat drink from their full bar and fill your tummy with the freshest catch around. Trophy Fish is located at 2060 Central Avenue in the Grand Central District. They are open Wednesday through Friday at 5 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 12 to 3 for brunch and at 5 for dinner. 
are back. We are back. We are back with Heather McPherson. And you have done a ton of stuff. You basically, I think it's very justifiable to call you a Florida food expert. Thank you. I, well, You're you know, welcome. I and thank you. Learn something every day. And I right. think that um, I'm not sure that it, you ever become the expert. I think, you know, it's just important to keep your eyes open and your ears open. And when people say, you can't grow that here or that's not right. Like, you know, listen to the whole story. Right, right, right. Yeah, same thing. I mean, we learn something new every day. The more more stuff I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. Right. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So you have written three books, but there's a total seven when you include co-writing and editing. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So you have, I think the most recent one is the Mojito. Correct. which, Which has different variations on the mojito there's food recipes as well mm-hmm. and is there some history on the mojito in the included there too there is a lot of history in the mojito and how it started in the port in puerto rico and then it mm. jumped to cuba and mojitos that was never really on my list of must-do book, books and i <laughs> <laughs> but you were drunk you know, on mojitos that's right you know it's like some of though you're working on a book on mojitos and they go oh, oh, oh. you know funny research i'm just researching but I was approached by the editor of Field of Beasts and um, Good Catch, You Press Florida, and said, we're looking to do some single subject books. And um, we overheard you guys talking about how you'd had this really good mojito. Are you interested in doing this book? I know that I don't want people out there to think that writing books is as easy as that. I mean, I have history with them and with a lot of different books, and I've actually helped them select books. So... I said, that's really interesting, but this is what I would like to do. The history from, um, I, I want to show perspective, why the mojito, variations on the mojito, how that flavor profile, I mean, you've got lime, just a tad sweetness, and then you've got effervescence, mm-hmm. how that can translate into cakes and savory dishes mm-hmm. and sauces. So when you think of mojito, you just don't have to think of mojito, the cocktail, and, um, and I also wanted it to be instructional, you know, as food editor and writer for the Orlando Sentinel, you know, you can throw out a really great recipe with 17 ingredients, but really, unless you decide you're going to hold the hand of that person for the whole thing, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be in the game. It's right. like your goal should be success for the person reading the recipe. You know how to make it. You can make it your sleep. But I said, I, I really want a book that takes time. And it's a slender little volume, but, you know, you say muddle the mint. You know, I said, I want to walk them through what that muddling of the mint is. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to leave them lost. And um, it became really fun. I mean, I really, it's a little, it's a little um, tourist, we call, you know, they call them their tourist books because of the key lime books and the mango books and mm-hmm. now the mojito books. But to have a single subject was really interesting approach to do after doing Field of and doing the catch. And now Pam and Katie and I are, are, are working on a third book that will probably combine the two. We have new farms. We have some farms that have closed. So it'll be a third edition that's, that's a little bit of both. Cool. You have to let us know when that comes out and we yeah. can post about it. Yeah. And, and I just want to throw, throw something out there to our listeners regarding mojitos and ordering them at a restaurant or bar. You should over tip 
if you're ordering a whole bunch of mojitos because a lot more work goes into making that drink than somebody just like using a squirt gun to make a rum and coke right right so because and, and i thought of this uh, years ago i was at a trade show and it's like after it's the party time now at the trade show after hours and there's this huge crowd of people hanging out together and it's like it's like 20 people and they're all ordering mojito after mojito after mojito and i'm like man i would quit if i was that bartender. <laughs> Well, a lot of cocktails are that way these days, though, with the craft cocktail boom. And yeah. they, they, it's not just like rum and coke or, you know, right. vodka soda. Right. Or, yeah. yeah. You're then, asking a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and then you also another book you have is titled Good Catch Recipes and Stories Celebrating the Best of Florida's Waters. Mm-hmm. So so we got drinks in there. We got seafood. And then you also authored Field to Feast which that was before everyone was saying farm, farm to, to table. table. Yeah. Right. right. And, you know, and when it kind of came around, we were, the three of us were kind of, you know, when you write about food a lot, I want to say my, I want to give a shout out to my co-authors who Pam Brandon is the publisher of Edible Orlando and Katie is the editor. I've known Katie since she was me. Hi, she's Pam's daughter. Uh-huh. Pam and I have been friends for 35 years and we were the type of friends that, well, like we do any, we get together often for breakfast, coffee, glass of wine, mojito. Um, and we would always talk about, we, need a, we want to do a project together. We're both, she's, Pam has actually authored every single Disney cookbook, which I think is over 30. Wow. wow. And, um, and so we, we would always, our conversations were always based in food. Um, she does food public relations as well. And um, every time our discussions were being, Hey, I just found this great honey over in Yemenzilla. Oh, I just, you know, oh, I found this guy in New Smyrna. Amazing, amazing cheese or whatever. And we realized our project was right there in front of us. Mm-hmm. We were talking, it was our notes. It was everything we were talking about. And I thought that that was really, it was like, sometimes you just, it's, you've got to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Your idea is right there. You're making it more right. than it is. So we, we, sent a proposal to press of Florida. The three of us had um, a lot of background. We knew what we were doing. We, we were approved pretty quickly, but I think it's because we sort of we came to the table with, they're going to test the recipes. They're mm-hmm. going to tell stories. We we had written a couple of examples of how we wanted to be presented. In the middle of Field of Feast, my husband and I, um, I just want to say our counselors are very patient and very kind and wonderful people. Um, and none of them are in this room to make me say this right now, but we <laughs> literally still feast work on every farm that's written about and met, met people face to face. And Pam took South Florida. I was still with Sentinel, so I took Central Florida. Katie's in lived in Jacksonville. She took North Florida. And our every weekend for almost two years was get out. And, and we vetted the farms. There were people. Wow. We moved. We didn't include everyone. We wanted mm-hmm. It's not an organic book. It's not a, there's not a certain thing we were looking for. We were looking for best practices. Uh How many people really cared about, there are a lot of people who can't afford to be certified organic, right? but they are actually more organic than what the certification is. Interesting. Right. And then there are just some people who just like stewards of the land, the like, you know, stories like that and finding other people who, um, my husband and I had, got, had gone up to Steenhatchee, which is incredible um, fishing up there. Mm-hmm. And we were driving back, and 
I started to write. I took a legal pen out. My husband's driving, and I'm writing down all the species of Florida fish. I've got my thumb just to make sure. You know, I'm thinking I don't think we're going to include everything. Well, when I flipped the page, I said, "Oh, we have a problem." So I, you know, with this one book, and we thought the seafood chapter would be like this. <laughs> you know, and I, I texted Pam. And I said, I think we need to pitch them a seafood book right now. Hold where we are. There is some seafood and build the But then come back. And the publisher actually was thrilled that we saw that. Mm-hmm. So good catch then from a marketing book. became a Yeah, it's, a, it's not a chapter. It's a whole book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so okay. should we talk uh, restaurants? Yes, yes. Yeah. So we'll start off with the most recent one that we recently went to. And again, thank you for hooking us up with an interview with Art Smith. And pr- prior to the interview, we, we thought it would be a good idea to go to uh, uh, Chef Art Smith's Homecoming Florida Kitchen. Yes. And that is inside Disney Springs. Mm-hmm. That's that's an area that's uh, there's no entrance fee that's, and it has tons of shopping and dining. So and- split spill is as well, correct? Correct. And right. Everglades. That's our ah. newest. Oh, Everglades. Right. And, right. Right. So we have Homecoming Florida Kitchen, which is Southern food. We have Splitsville Luxury Lanes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this, but they are actually also in Anaheim. They're they're Anaheim, Orlando, Miami, Tampa. Tampa. Yeah. And I, I knew about I knew about the Tampa one before. Right. And then Everglades Donuts and Cold Brew is also in Disney Springs, right? right. So so uh Florida Homecoming Florida Kitchen, we have a review on stpetersburgfoodies.com that people should go check out. And uh, in brief, we loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, shrimp, shrimp and grits were perfect. Yeah. Um, the, the moonshine flights were like best. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we both needed moonshine flights. That was, that was fun. I was like, wee. <laughs> now, is there a certain, I should have asked when we were at the restaurant, but so you get your shots that you choose, but then there was also like a shot of hot sauce. And then we had a shot list with some, like, I think there were candied uh, pecans. Yeah. Pecans. Are you supposed to do that? Like in between to clear your palate? They're palate cleansing because, you know, depending on the shines that you get, they can, they can really um, stick around mm-hmm. on your taste buds. And right. so you should have gotten some pickled, pickled juice. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of adds that once you get that brine over there, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you're ready for yeah, the next yeah, that, That'll clear it out. It will. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And it's our own pickle juice that's made in house. Oh, oh wow. Cool. That's and, cool. And um, from, from our bread and butter pickles. Oh. And and a fun little note that we learned from Art is that his, I think it was his great grandfather, was a moonshiner. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, you yeah, know, so, a lot of people ran shine. I mean, mm-hmm. it was yeah. very profitable. Yeah. So it's, it's Southern food for the most part. The fried chicken is amazing. The oh, shrimp and, that fried chicken. Shrimp and grits were perfect. The, I loved the fried. Oh, no. The can fried I, okra. I can ask you maybe, hopefully, you know, yeah. the fried okra. There was like, it had like a dusting of something red, maybe paprika. Um, what was, do you know what that is? Um, it, yeah, it's, it's for, for the fried okra, it's paprika. And then sometimes we'll, when we, we started doing a little bit of, of uh, it's in house. It's not like you can buy Lowry's at home or Publix or whatever, but we were making our own seasoned salt. Oh, nice. A lot of people like a little salt on that. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we held back because we do have, you know, some, we want to, we cater to everyone. Right. Right. At Walt Disney World and you just sort of want to pull back on something. So we switched to more, something more of a colorful thing. And then mm-hmm. we're going to add more salt. 
Right. And we, we bought the book while we were there. Good. Re- reunion. It's reunion and bringing family back to the table. Back to the table. So back, back to the table. table. Yes. Yes. Right. And, and Did you notice that um, our actual James Beard Awards are hanging in the restaurant? Oh, we missed that. We no. found out. We He told us, he after told us, us yeah. afterwards. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we walked around a little bit, but we, we didn't want to walk around too much, I guess. But yeah, we bought T-shirts. We wore the T-shirts while we interviewed Art. <laughs> and, okay. <laughs> Good. And and that book, I think there's I think there's like 150 recipes in there, and a lot of them are the recipes of stuff you can order in the restaurant. So they are. We're gonna try you know, some we, of those out. We um his especially the some of the desserts, mm-hmm. and um you know he's always done a two day grind on his chicken that keep it really nice and moist. Mm-hmm. We do that here mm-hmm. when we opened up um, homecoming in 2016 in July. We're coming up on our fifth anniversary. Um. We, but the kitchen footprint is really small there, and the, the company Millennium, again, which owns the other restaurant, including two in Anaheim, um, decided we would put a bakery inside Woodsville that's um, mm. on the second floor, way in the back. You don't even see it. So we have a third shift that bakes all those cakes from oh, wow. coming overnight. Huh. Um, there's a lot of hummingbird on the second floor. Okay. <laughs> so now that same bakery is proofing donuts. Mm. And it's, it, I, I, uh. you call it a fourth shift? I mean, it's like round. <laughs> so the, all the donuts from Everglades are from scratch. And um, so, um, yeah, everything is from scratch. Hummingbird cake is a signature of art. Yeah. Yes. Get to try that. But we did. Also, we did, yeah. Also, it's really, really, um, you mentioned the shrimp and grits, which I think are really good. Um, but he has a Key West shrimp cocktail mm. that is just such a wonderful interpretation. Wow. We'll have to try that next yeah, time. Yeah, we will. For sure. <clears throat> and we did have the Church Lady Deviled Eggs. We did. And at the time, I didn't know why they were called that, but then I, we, we learned it later from Art. Yeah. Because the church socials would frequently have deviled eggs. And right. he told us how the ladies would write their name on the bottom of the dish so they could get their dish back. But Art used that to remember like which ones he liked and didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, those were really a source of pride. And I remember um, Art's mother was still alive as we were, as we were um, building the restaurant. And um, there were many things she had to take because those recipes are his, for hers. Mom, yeah. his mother wow. and his aunt, you know, and he was, you know, like it, it, it better if mama doesn't like it. <laughs> right. Trouble. That's really cool. Yeah, it is yeah. cool. And now Splitsville, we we have one here in Tampa. We ha- we haven't had the chance to get there yet. Sorry. So tell us about that. Well, Splitsville actually originated in Tampa. It did. Um, I, it I've did. been there many times before. And now it's it's redone. Uh, it, the area has been used to be Channel Side, and now it's Sparkman Moore. Mm-hmm. We actually um, recently opened up another restaurant there called Joe Toro with a Michelin star chef. Oh, wow. okay. And we just recently added brunch there as well. Um, Disney was looking for more activities for people to do when they were out here. When you come to Disney Springs, it's been many things, Pleasure Island, mm-hmm. all kinds of different names, the Disney, old Disney marketplace. And um, there are all kinds of things to look at in the Lego store here at Child, but for things for families to interact together. And they were aware of Slipsville in Tampa talked to the owners. They came over. This, this building was the old Virgin Records store building mm-hmm. and um, made a pitch. And here we are. 
Um, now we, we're at Downtown Disney as well in Anaheim with state-of-the-art, amazing two-story building um, overlooking the Downtown Disney Plaza. It's fabulous. We're excited that we are opening, reopening in California. That's the end awesome. Of the month. Yay. Um, and we also own and we manage the Black Cat Cat Workers in Anaheim as well. But let's go. We always have this thing is this is not your grandfather's bowling alley. <laughs> right. Grandma had a lady too. Um, if it was, there'd be there'd be smoking and highballs. Right. <laughs> People are kind of like you know, they expect like a hot dog roller with a really big, you know, like yeah, know, yeah. Really station. And we have the most amazing sushi, craft cocktails, oh, wow. fillet. We have fillet sliders. You know, it's sort of like people come here and, and among staff, among a lot of the cast who are out here, we're kind of the secret place to eat mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. You know, like during the day, it's easy to pop in for lunch. Our pizzas are all hand tossed here. Oh, wow. Um, the salmon is unbelievable. We actually get whole fish flown in once a week, and the chefs fillet it up. Wow. It's really beautiful. So, yeah, we and we have a renovation that's about to open very quickly. Phase one of our renovation on the Everglades side mm-hmm. by the Orange Garage entrance. Um, is taking on a new vibe, um, a lot more labor-intensive drink, and mm-hmm. a, a, a big nod to old Florida and some menu adjustments. And uh, we had renovated the second floor about a year ago, so there's two more phases in the reno. So there's always something new to expect here. Uh, as you mentioned, we have other sports schools around the country, but but um, bowling is one, just one part. It's a reason to, to maybe get together and Put down your phone. Everyone mm-hmm. can yeah. do it, you mm-hmm. know. And what we call, we, there's a point when you're walking through the second floor, even the first floor, where you start to hear kids and parents laugh together. Mm-hmm. And all these high fives going on. It's like, you know, for those two hours, it, you know, everyone was together. Yeah. yeah. And again, you don't have to be an expert. You no. Just have fun. We yeah. love we love to bowl. We yeah. take my son bowling all the time. But of course, it was like the grandpa bowling alley. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and the newer one at Sparkman's Wharf that you mentioned is Jotoro Kitchen and Tequila Bar. Right. And it's one of my favorite types of cuisines. Mexican. Oh, you, I, I get the feeling we'll be going there soon. Lori and Kevin, you just tell me when we'll make that happen. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. We'll have to do that then. Yeah. So, yeah. So we covered the restaurants and... I guess you know, you can Google for the uh, for the links if you're just listening on your phone or whatnot. But if you go to our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com, just find the podcast there and we will have the links to all of the restaurants. Yeah. Heather McPherson, thank you so yes, much. Thank you, Heather. This was great. Yes, I can't believe this was so fast. I know. <laughs> it was great. We will be right back. Keep on moving. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete Foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete. They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. Engine, engine.
ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins, or just mushrooms for vegetarians, it'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. Go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? So we have some news, late breaking foodies news from St. Pete Meat and Provisions and Greenstock. And the word is that, uh, I mean, we love Greenstock. They had, I should say now, some great salads and wraps and other nice goodies. And they were sharing the space, same ownership with St. Pete Meat and Provisions. And the demand for St. Pete Meat and Provisions is has been through the roof. They can't keep up. They're selling out all the time. So they decided that Greenstock will take a hiatus Hiatus, for we don't know how long, might sprout up in another new location at some point in the future. But now that whole location effective immediately is solely for St. Pete Meat and Provisions. So they have always had some great stuff, but now they're going to have a lot more. There will be, for a couple of weeks, they're going to be pretty much status quo. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to revamp. Right. And take over the whole space. They'll have a full-time butcher, professional butcher. That's so there. cool, right? Mm-hmm. They'll be, they're cutting up like the primal cuts. I mean, they have the, the animals broken down to just like the minimum amount of broken down when they get them. Mm-hmm. And they're also, they deal with local farms. This, they're not dealing with big farms and big agriculture like that are factory production stuff this is where like the kind of farms that we saw in like in our in our stories when we were little kids where there's an actual farmer that's like there's a dude there and there's a family right and the animals roam around and they're they're treated humanely right it's it's the good stuff so you know they're 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 free range or pasture raised and they have things they have beef poultry pork and lamb steaks burgers the burgers they grind that they grind them themselves. That's awesome. Grind them themselves. Short ribs. There's chicken cuts, duck breast, duck legs. There's quail, uh, farm fresh eggs, duck chicken, eggs, duck eggs, and chicken eggs. The duck eggs are really cool. They are. We also learned that the color of the yolk, if it's like sometimes it's really yellow, sometimes it's more orange. You related to what they eat. Yep, pretty cool. And they recently added uh, house ground wagyu burgers and sausage. Nice. They have steaks. They're going to add cheese and charcuterie. Great. How cool is that? Yeah. And they also are getting a license so they can have a small selection of craft beer and wine. Nice. And they'll have some cooking tools, house-made seasonings and spices, marinades, pickled items. And you won't find anything in there that comes from, I won't name names, but, you know, the large national food suppliers. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Local, local. Right. And they, they might be, this is not official, but I asked Erica, because we spoke on the phone about this, if they're going to have some like baguettes and stuff to go with the cheese and charcuterie. And most likely they will, but they just, they're looking for a small, local independent local yeah. baker. Yes. Right. So, and we recently had the uh, Wagyu skirt steak again. 
Australian Wagyu. Yes, thank you. You're I, was, I always forget. Uh, you always forget. I always forget a certain detail, and then you remind me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so check out St. Pete Meat and Provisions. They're located at 449 Central Avenue in downtown St. Pete. They have new longer hours, which are 10:30 a.m. to 7 p.m. seven days a week. And they deliver through Uber Eats, correct? They do. The website is stpetemeat.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with some important information. This is Chris Walker. And you're listening to We have two new reviews on the website. Trophy Fish in the Grand Central District of St. Pete has a great laid-back beachy vibe, and they always have a fresh catch of the day that you can have prepared any way you like, and they have a ton of other great food and excellent unique drinks. One of our favorites is the Thin and Tonic. We also have a new review of the new concept located inside of Dr. Barbecue. It's at the Upstairs Outdoor Bar, and it's called Burnt Ends Tiki Bar. They did a great job of recreating the drinks and food from the original tiki bars of the 30s and 40s. You will find both of those reviews at stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the show, our guest is Chris Ciarcia. He is the former GM and sommelier from Anada, and he is just on the verge of opening his own new place, Savignon Wine Locker and American Trattoria. If you want to get in touch, just drop us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Heather McPherson. Thanks to St. Pete Meat for the delectable treats. And thanks to our sponsors. Trophy Fish. Dats. Rolling Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And, and Engine, Engine Number, number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News. And our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show. And remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. shells. <laughs> you know, these are, they're like a little corn envelope, you know? You know what? You don't want to spoil your appetite. Oh, hey, sugar You know, if you just wait another six and a half minutes. Oh, macaroni and cheese. We got to make this.